Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Had a chance to go to the Good Tidings uh, Christmas store this week and and serve with my family, and uh, I was I was down in the, the the basement, kind of the reception area, doing what I like to do, talk to people, and all of a sudden they said, "Hey, we need one more person to wrap gifts," and I was like, "Oh, great!" And so I went up there, and uh, as soon as I got up there, people started making fun of me. Like before I even started wrapping, they're like, "We don't let the husbands wrap gifts in our house," and I was like, "Well, I'm going to show you." And then I proceeded to remember why I haven't wrapped a present in five years. It wasn't it wasn't great but my heart was in the right place. You've got to believe me. And so I, I hope I didn't give our church a bad name, but I tried with everything I have to, to wrap presents and, and not ruin someone's Christmas. So uh, I just wanted to confess that and get that off my chest as we get going here. Uh, hey, if, uh, if you haven't heard, we're doing uh, two services on Christmas Eve. Uh, we've said that those are going to be on, on Christmas Eve, 3.30 and 5. Uh, and I, I want to tell you something else that, uh, that I seem to, uh, to mess up. A couple years ago, we were doing a Christmas Eve service, and if you haven't been to our service, it's, it's kind of family-friendly. Everyone's in the room, uh, and, and uh, there's kids of different ages, and we, we do some, some scripture reading, we do some singing, we go through the Christmas story, and at the end, uh, we, we usually do a, a candle lighting, and so everyone has a candle or everyone that we can trust with a candle, so none of my kids. Uh, but what we give most people that are good people a candle, and we, we, we sing Silent Night, and, and we're around the room. And, and as we were singing that that night, my, my daughter Zion was here, and I think she was like maybe she just turned one, and uh, she hadn't realized that I was in the room. She was distracted up until that point, but I was close enough. My family was here to my right, and all of a sudden, she looked up and saw me, and she just she just wanted dad, right? And so we're singing, she's kind of like doing this like, ah, 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 and just like this awkward yelling and crying. And poor Kristen's over here, like having watched multiple kids at multiple services, right? My wife's over there. And, and so uh, as the song ends, uh, Zion was just going nuts. And I, I basically just have to wrap up the service and say like, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, we're, we're not gonna, we actually take the week between Christmas and, and New Year's off. So we're gonna take a break for our setup team. We'll see you again in the new year. Uh, we'll talk about some year-end giving things and pray and, and send everybody on their way. Uh, except uh, Kristen decided that in that moment, Zion was just getting too loud. And so right as the song ended, she brought her over to me. And so I'm holding a, a one-year-old and, and she thought she wanted me to hold her, but we all know how that goes. You think that dad's cool until you're in dad's arms. And then you're like, wait, I had it a lot better with mom. And I, I want mom again now. So, so I'm holding her and I'm trying to just make a couple announcements, wrap up the service. I'm standing right here. And Zion's like, ah! and you're thinking that's obnoxious. She wasn't doing that. No, she was, because she was just as close to the mic as I was, right? But she decided to do something else that would add to the, uh, the, the holiday spirit. She gave it one of these, right? She's just like smacking the mic and like, mom, nah, and just hitting the mic. And I'm like, and we'll see everyone in the new year, right? And so we wrap up the service somehow and we send, send my, my family home. And I always race home after that. And, and we pick up our, 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 all of our stuff and we go to Dayton for, for Kristen's family's Christmas Eve. And uh, we were, we're driving and we're in the, the minivan and it's been hectic and chaotic. And, and Kristen looks at me like somewhere around Springfield and she's like, why aren't you talking? And, you know, and I'm just like, 
you know, I'm driving. Here's a little something you need to know about me. I grew up in a, a family. We had a family band. And yes, that's weird. I've told you that before. Uh, we, would, we would play at churches. We played at the church I grew up at. And my, my dad was so into transitions that it, when I was like in third grade, he would have us sit in the front row and he would say, now we're going to practice getting up on stage when it's your time in the service. And so he would say, ready, go. And he would be like, one, two, three. And he would count. And we would have to like go to our respective instruments and get ready like, like we were, we were going to perform and, and make sure we didn't trip over any cables. And so for better or worse, I'm just... I'm trained that way since, since, since birth, right? I'm, I'm a performer on the Enneagram. That's, that's what my personality is. And so Kristen's like, why aren't you talking? And I, I was just driving and I was like, why did you hand me the baby, right? And I, I was still mad about Christmas Eve. And, and she just looked at me and was like, ah, why did I marry him, right? She had that, that look on her face. And I don't tell you that story so that you think my, my marriage is bad or, or that I'm a terrible person. I tell you that because there, there are moments during the holidays that, that everything's not cheery, right? There are moments that, that we're not always happy, and, and there are moments that everything isn't great. And so we're starting a, a series today. Originally, we called it Happy Holidays. And then they said, what do you think of this graphic? And I said, let's add a question mark at the end. So it's not Happy Holidays, it's Happy Holidays. And the reason, the reason we say it that way is because I think many of us uh, find ourselves in situations over the holidays that, that kind of just end up being a happy holidays kind of moment, right? You find yourselves having to, to be around people and maybe rehashing relationships that you're not excited about or you're not proud about. Some of you have to be around family members and you're like, I don't want to be around those family members, right? Some of us find our, ourselves having to buy way too many Christmas presents for people we don't talk to all year and don't know any more and we don't know how we're going to pay for them. And so we just put them on the credit card and decide to figure it out in the new year, right? I, I talked to a friend this week that told me he was going to his third Christmas party, three nights in a row, a work party. And I was like, how many companies do you work for? How's that even possible, right? But we, we find ourselves busier and having all these things to do and all these places to go. And it's just the reality of this season and as we find ourselves busier, we find that we, we don't get as much sleep and we're not in as good of a mood. I always find myself falling asleep at like 8 p.m. on New Year's Eve because I've stayed up till 3 a.m. the whole week of Christmas, like wrapping things and talking to people and catching up with people. And, and so I, I, I just want us to, to think about that for a second. As you look at this next month, these next couple of weeks, this next season, you might not be thinking, yay, it's going to be a Merry Christmas or yay, happy holidays. You might be thinking, Happy holidays. And, and you might not be excited about what's ahead, about the busyness, about the people, about the drama, about the credit card bill in January, and a lot of the things that are coming up. And so uh, as a church for these next couple of weeks, we want to uh, recognize those things, but we want to take a step back from those things and, and just look at the, the Christmas story, look at uh, where our attention should be focused and look at some ways that we can guarantee that this will be a happy holiday in a way that this will be a Merry Christmas. And so we wanna just read the Christmas story together today and take our cues from there and see what we can, what we can learn and what we can remember. And so I wanna invite you to turn, if you've got a Bible, to, uh, to Luke chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under your chair, behind your chair, around your chair. You'll see one on the floor. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, a copy of God's word, that Bible is our gift to you. We'd love for you to take that home and have that to read and study. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 on page 779 in those Bibles. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to pick up kind of before the famous part of the Christmas story. We're going to pick up uh, just after Elizabeth, who is uh, the, the cousin of, uh, of Mary and gave birth to John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus. We're going to pick up just as they found out about that part of the story. Elizabeth has found out that she's going to give birth to the world-famous John the Baptist, who would kind of come before Jesus and, and, uh, and, and, and map that road out. And so we're going to read here in Luke chapter 1, 
verse 26, and kind of uh, just read a, 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 almost a couple chapters, see really what the, the Christmas story is here and how God unfolds this plan. I always think it's amazing that there are over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament uh, that, that, that link forward to the New Testament that, that become true through the, the birth and the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so one of the cool things about the Christmas story is we're seeing that these prophecies are beginning to come true, that God's plan was working from the Old Testament to the New Testament and all throughout time and all throughout scripture. So let's read this here together. Luke chapter one, verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will, be called, will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. We'll skip ahead here to verse 67. It's, these are the words of Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist, the husband of Elizabeth. The cousin of Mary, it says this, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor, Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. 
You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Skip down to Luke chapter two, verse one. And this is the famous part of the Christmas story. As we know, it says this at the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Skip down to verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel." Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. 
Now, there are parts of this story that, that are probably familiar to us. Maybe some of the, the beginning and the buildup. Maybe you've never heard of Zachariah or of Elizabeth or John the Baptist. Maybe you remember those things, but you've never seen or heard all of this read together. And, and as I read this story, there's kind of one thing that, that always goes through my mind. This is not how I would have written this story. I, I don't know if I can be accused of someone that, that likes a, a good celebration, but when, when I decided that I wanted to ask Kristen to, to marry me, I, I, I told her, hey, this might be coming up. You know how you try to be sly as a guy? You're like, you know, maybe things are getting serious sometime. And she's like, whatever you do, I just want it to be the two of us. And I was like, oh, right. I was the kind of guy that was going to like call a football team if I could see if I could like take her out there midfield blindfolded and be like, will you marry me? And make this giant thing in front of 60,000 people. That's how I think big things are celebrated. That's how I think an engagement should take place. And certainly if the savior of the world who's been prophesied since the beginning of scripture, since the Old Testament is finally coming to save the world, guess what? There should be a party. And so I read this story and I think, Okay, yeah, that's, that's not how I would have put that together. I, I don't know that I would have just appeared to some, cute, some, some confused people with an angel and then maybe had them stumble through this story and, and eventually have a, a baby be born in a barn and then they announce it to some shepherds and then here we are and everybody's like, yay, the Savior's here. I would, have, I would have started some sort of viral campaign or I don't know how that existed back then, pre-electricity and pre-internet, but some way to get the word out. Maybe a decree from a king or something big that this is a huge deal. We've been waiting on the Savior, and he's here. But that's not how this story unfolds. It's not how it reads. It's not how it takes place. And as I look at this Christmas story, I just think like, man, the presence of Jesus was so underappreciated back then for the most part. And I think today, the presence of Jesus and the idea of Jesus and the idea of celebrating the birth of our Savior is so underappreciated and so underrecognized. And, and so I want us to just circle back and look at this story today and I want us to have a, a happy holidays. I want us to have a Merry Christmas. I want us to have the, the season that, that we should be having as we're celebrating what we should be celebrating. And so I think there's some things that we can go back and find in this story. And the first one is this. If you want to have a hop, happy holidays rather than a happy holidays, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. There's so many different stories and so many different characters and, and, and ways in this story that, that people had an opportunity to take their eyes off Jesus. I mean, you look at what Mary was going through. If an angel appeared to you and said, you're going to have God's baby, you, you think immediately you would think like, okay, good, yeah, yeah, let's do this, right? No, there, there was more than one opportunity there for her to think, wow, I've got a lot going on, a lot to be worried about. And yet Mary kept her eyes on Jesus. Joseph, as we're told in one of the other accounts of the Christmas story, found out that she was going to have this baby and, and we're told, quote, he was going to quietly divorce her or leave her in this engagement period leading up to their wedding because there would have been a lot of shame associated with the fact that she was pregnant with a baby that wasn't his. And yet, we see him leading her and doing as God wanted this plan to unfold. And so Joseph kept his eyes on Jesus. Elizabeth we're told, had been barren and finally found out that she was going to have a, a baby. And you think that she could have probably thought, finally, I've prayed for this. I've wanted this. I've always been the person that didn't have kids. I'm going to have a baby. And so I'm going to go into my nesting phase. And this is all I'm going to care about. And this baby is my everything. My family is my everything. And yet, as we read this story, and as she interacted with Mary, her eyes were more on the arrival of the Savior of the world. Her eyes were on the arrival of Mary's baby, Jesus. 
Zechariah, a man that lost his voice because he didn't believe God's plan leading up to this story, a man who could have been excited that he had never had a son and finally he was going to have a son and his wife had been barren and now they had a baby and there were so many things going on and yet we read what he says and he, he's excited about the arrival of the Savior of the world. He's excited about the arrival of baby Jesus and angels, I know what you're thinking, it's the angel's job to get excited. It's their, it's their job to worship God. It's what they do and but their eyes were on Jesus. And they were telling this news to the shepherds. And their eyes could have been on their job. I mean, they did have a job to do, right? They were watching these flocks of sheep and they could have been doing something else. And and yet their eyes were on Jesus. And once their eyes were on Jesus, they didn't take their eyes off Jesus. They, They took the time to point others to this story and to point others to what was happening and to point others to this plan that God was unfolding. So Mary's eyes were on Jesus and the eyes of Joseph were on Jesus and the eyes of Elizabeth were on Jesus and the eyes of Zechariah were on Jesus and the eyes of the angels were on Jesus and the eyes of the shepherds were on Jesus and the eyes of Simeon were on Jesus. There's a lot of things that that he could have been distracted by. He could have said, I've been waiting for the savior of the world and now it's a baby. Great. I really thought it'd be a king. I thought it'd be someone cooler. I thought there'd be a party. I thought there'd be a band. I thought there'd be something we got, a, we got a baby, but he knew what God was doing and his eyes were on Jesus. And Anna, she'd lost her husband. She didn't have anyone. And the story said that she didn't leave the temple. She didn't give up on what God was doing. She could have had many different reasons, many different distractions, but she kept her eyes on Jesus for us to have a happy holidays and for us to take cues from this simple Christmas story, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. But more than that, we need to keep our eyes off of distractions. You and I need to keep our eyes off of distractions because look at all of the different distractions that we see unfolding in this story. There's no shortage of things that are competing for the attention and the time of people who are within close proximity to Jesus. And if we look at your story this holiday season, I'm assuming that it's the same thing. I mean, I already jokingly mentioned them. I'm sure you have a lot to do. I'm sure you have some decorating and some shopping and some, some, some cooking and some gift wrapping and that work party. And you've got like 12 family Christmases because this aunt doesn't want to talk to this aunt anymore. And so everyone has to get together in shifts or you have to arrive at different times. And, and so there's no shortage of drama or distractions or circumstances this holiday season. And yet I look at everyone in this story and I I look at what they're doing and I just see them with their eyes on Jesus. Yeah, they could have been worried about people talking and people doubting and people not understanding or people not seeing what God was doing, but simply put their eyes and their focus and their attention is on Jesus. And their eyes could be on a lot of different distractions, even some things that are good, but they kept their eyes off of those distractions. This holiday season and this Christmas season, you're going to be tempted to put your eyes on a lot of different things. And some of those things are, are considered really good things by America. Some of those things are considered to be things that, that we should value, family and generosity and, and, and gifts. And yet if those things take our eyes and our attention and our focus off of Jesus, they're, they're simply this, they're just idols and they're distractions. And so your eyes should be on your family. Your, your focus should be on your family, but your focus should be on loving your family like Jesus loves them. 
And you can buy gifts for your family. We, we just celebrated buying gifts for people, but we bought those gifts in the name of Jesus to honor Jesus. And so if you're getting distracted by the people that you have to get together with and, and what they want for you and what they think of you, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. And if, if you're worried about what present you're going to get or, or what present you're going to give, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. And I know as adults, we like to think, yeah, I don't worry about presents anymore. Yes, you do. You do, right? There was a, there was a time in life that that's all we thought about and we think we grow beyond that, but it's, it's just in different ways. I thought back this week of the three coolest presents I ever got. One of them was a thing called a pogo ball. I don't know if anybody remembers the pogo ball. It was from uh, my elementary years. It was in the 90s. It was kind of like a uh, playground ball mixed with a pogo stick. You jump on it. My dad backed over it a few weeks after Christmas and ruined my holidays, right? And then one time when, uh, when dry fit came out or nylon, as we called it in the 90s, I, I wanted a track suit so that when I walked, you would hear that, right? That was really cool. My mom knew that that would make me happy, so she got me a tracksuit. I fell on the gym floor at recess and put a hole all up the side of it a couple weeks later because it turns out that nylon melts, right? And then one year, I wanted the Tomahawk G.I. Joe helicopter because that's what dreams are made of in the 90s if you're a boy. And because I grew up in a, a cornfield, which one year was an alfalfa field, I, I, I made a, a fort and my brothers and I were playing and my mom called us in for lunch and a, a combine came and, and took the the G.I. Joe world away that I had created. And I just went out and found some arms and legs and pieces of my Tomahawk helicopter. And so I'm not saying that to, to talk you into depression. I'm just saying, even as a child, the things that I thought were such a big deal, the presents that I thought would make me happy, the presents that I was like, oh, I need this, Albie, so my life will be complete. They were taken away within like a year or two or a couple months. That's all I, all I thought I wanted. And yet those things were distractions and they were taken away. And I want you to, to know this and hear this, this holiday season. If your eyes and your attention and your focus are on anything but Jesus, if you're looking for people to complete your holiday season, if you're looking for a gift to complete your holiday season, or you think that a gift that you're going to give to someone else will complete their holiday season, I promise you, I promise you that you will be let down and they will be let down. Maybe not in that exact moment, but in some way, they're going to realize that that gift isn't everything and there's going to be another gift that they want or there's going to be another gift that, that you want to give to someone. And so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes off distractions. If you look at a nativity scene, nativity scenes always feel so perfect as they're like up on a, on a ledge or under a tree, right? And it's not because the, the circumstances are perfect. I mean, you look at a nativity scene and, and you think about it, and it's, it's the same story we just read where all the, all the plot didn't unfold perfect and, and all of the characters aren't perfect, although one is. And, and you look at the setting of a nativity scene and it's, it's still a barn and it's still a barn that's kind of more of a lean-to and kind of has some holes in the wall. And and you've got to think that those animals that are in that cute nativity, nativity scene don't, don't smell too good, right? And, and yet, something about that scene is, is peaceful. It's because in every nativity scene, their eyes are on Jesus. They're centered on Jesus. Their attention is on Jesus. Their focus is on Jesus. And that's where peace comes from. It doesn't come from this, this feeling of, hey, finally got the perfect surrounding. We finally, we finally got the manger we wanted, and we finally got this place that the baby could be born. And this is exactly as this story should happen. We finally got enough gifts this holiday season. We finally have enough money. We finally got the promotion. We finally got all the cousins to come home because all of those things will still let us down. But peace is found when our eyes are on Jesus. 
Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes off distractions because a happy holidays is centered on Jesus. There's a third thing that I want us to see in this passage. I want to go back and, and reread that first part of the story. When Mary found out that she was going to give birth, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. There's a lot of things that we can be distracted by or that we can be confused about this holiday season. There are a lot of things that we, we won't understand or we might not be happy about. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep our eyes off distractions, ultimately we have to decide who do we serve and you have to decide who you serve. Even when she didn't understand, even when she didn't like the, the plan that was unfolding, maybe when it didn't make sense, Mary just flat out said, I am the Lord's servant. And the Christmas story, this time of season, is a reminder and a chance for us to decide who we serve. Because looking for things, looking for stuff, looking for presents, looking for gifts, looking for people to make us happy, eventually we're going to realize and we're going to be reminded that we're incomplete and that only a relationship with Jesus can make us whole. And that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross, not because he deserved it, not because he needed to do that, but he gave his life to pay the price for our sins and to sacrifice his life. And by believing in him and putting our faith and our trust in him, we can have a relationship with God and be made whole. We were made in the image of God to know God. And when we have a relationship with him, we're living as we were intended and we can be made whole and we can know love and we can know peace and we can know hope. And so when we look at the arrival of our Savior, we look at the arrival of Jesus, we can be reminded that we need to decide who do we serve this holiday season? Who are we living our life for? The same way that Jesus gave his life for us, we can turn around and respond and surrender our lives to him and give our lives to him. And so I want to ask, who do you serve this holiday season? Do you serve people and their expectations? Do you serve the anxiety and stress and chaos that comes with being around people and a busy schedule and spending money? Where will your eyes be? Where will your focus be? Where will your attention be this holiday season? My grandpa used to play ringmaster of our, our family Christmas. His name was Papa. 
because every good grandpa needs a name that you're afraid to say in front of your friends when you get older. And so his was Papa, right? And, uh, and every, every year we would, we would uh, we'd run into Christmas and we're like, yeah, let's open presents. Me and my cousins would start tearing stuff open. And he would be like, hold up, fellas, hold up, hold up. We're going to read the Christmas story. And we would, we would have a moment where we'd say, oh, the Christmas story. We just read that last year, you know? And, and he, would, he would say, well, that's what Christmas is about. And so we're going we're gonna to read the Christmas story. And and I even had some cousins who were like 10 and 20 years older than me who would say, oh, the Christmas story, right? They had kids of their own and I don't know, they're just immature or something and they wanted to upset Papa. But Papa would go out of his way, no matter what he had to do to say, hey, before all of this, before we get our attention on these other things, we're gonna, we're gonna read the Christmas story. And he would do everything he could to put the eyes of our family on Jesus. And so this holiday season, where will your eyes be? Where will your attention be? Where will your focus be? Will it be on Jesus or will it be on distractions? And who do you serve? Who's going to be your focus? Who's going to get the glory as you live your life and as you interact with people and as you interact with your family and your friends? Who do you serve this holiday season? That's our, our guarantee. That's our way to make sure we have a happy holiday because if we make a holiday about us, we'll be let down every time. If we make a holiday about Jesus, promise you that you'll know hope and you'll be fulfilled. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Christmas story and the reminder it is that our minds and our hearts should be centered on you every day, but especially as we celebrate Christmas. God, I pray that as a church, as individuals, as families, that we'll keep our eyes on you, we'll keep our eyes off distractions, and that we'll be excited to serve you, Lord. Not because of religion, not because we have to, but because you freely and willingly gave your son, Lord. He came and gave his life for us, and we want to live our lives for him to honor him. And so we, we ask you to help us be a church and to be people and to be families that do that. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.